You are listening to the Supermama's Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 146. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 146. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How is everyone out there? Spring is in the air. Can you feel it? We're warming up. We are very green because we've had tons of rain. The elementary schools are crawling with leprechaun pranks. (laughs) And the time changed. And so it's starting to stay light later. So it feels like spring. I've been having a great time. I am at this really fun stage of my life coaching career that I did not expect to be at. So I started off doing parenting coaching, your life coaches, life coaching for stressed out, burned out moms, and helping them enjoy parenting their kids more, helping them let go of their teens and, you know, but stay connected to them. So it's been a really great journey. But what I did not expect was at this stage of my career to get to be coaching my clients' husbands, sisters, even children. I've been coaching, I've got a couple of teenagers. I've got a young adult. I'm doing dating coaching, career coaching, friendship coaching. I've got some burned out executives. Like it's a really, it's really fun to get to connect with my clients' loved ones. So anyways, I'm just enjoying the variety while then also really enjoying when I get to find them. When I find those moms whose teens are really struggling and they want to help, but they don't know how, or they're filled with doubt and just uncertainty and fear, those are really my favorite people to coach. So I do like to still come back to parenting, but it's been fun to have a little variety. Today's question I'm really excited about This is going to be a great one today. It's for all of us moms who try hard not to helicopter our children. And so I'm going to read today's uh, question and you're going to love the answer. I I think it's going to be a good one today. So this question says, Tori, what do I do when my high schooler won't ask for help at school and his grades are suffering? My 10th grader has missed a lot of school this year due to various illnesses. Most recently, missing seven days due to having COVID. His grades in several classes have plummeted. I'm sympathetic to his situation. It's not his fault that he has missed so much. And getting behind in a bunch of classes and getting low grades feels awful. But the fact remains, he is behind and he needs to work with his teachers in order to get caught up. I've talked to him many times about what he needs to do to catch up. I've asked him where he needs help or additional instruction, but he just shrugs. I've advised him to talk to his teachers and ask them for help. I've floated the idea of talking to his teachers myself, and he's been clear that he doesn't want me to get involved. And while I want to respect his wishes, as well as letting him have the experience of figuring all this out, 
I can't help but wonder if he's in over his head and needs an adult to step in and coordinate Project Ketchup. Until this year, the academic aspects of school have been quite easy for him, so these struggles are new for us both. I appreciate your input. Signed, Resisting the Urge to Helicopter. I love how you signed it. It sounds like, you know, your anxiety about his grades is very loud in your head, but your instincts are saying, mm, something about this feels like overstepping. So instead of indulging your anxiety and helicoptering, you are resisting that action until all parts of you are in agreement. I just love it. It's just a great reminder that fear is loud, instincts are quiet, and integrity is that feeling of being whole and aligned with your values. And we want to feel like we're in our integrity before we take action. So great question. Love your signature. If anybody else is writing in a question, feel free to give creative signatures. You don't have to give your a real name. So today's parent educator answer. Well, I struggled a little bit with this one because it feels like you've already done most of the sort of traditional wisdom and advice that I could offer. You say, I've talked to him many times. I've asked him where he needs help or additional instruction. I've advised him to talk to his teachers. Normally, I would suggest the problem-solving technique. I have a video on that if you guys want wonder what I'm talking about and want more information, send me an email, tori at lifecoachingforparents.com, and I will send you a video that describes this. But it's a problem-solving technique where you write the problem at the top of the page, in this case, low grades due to absences, and then you and your child brainstorm solutions, taking turns so you are writing down different ways to handle it, but half of them are his idea and half of them are yours. So you come up with as many possible solutions, even absurd ones. This is a brainstorming exercise. And then what you get to do when you've got like maybe 10 to 15 or something solutions is you take turns crossing out the ones you don't like. So you say, well, I'm not going to agree to, uh, I don't know, just let you get an F. That doesn't feel good to me. And then he might say, well, I'm not going to talk to my teachers. That doesn't feel good to me. And then you're going to say, well, and you have to kind of cross off one at a time. And then it leaves you with a compromise at the end that you both can agree to. So that's what I might normally suggest for the parent educator answer, but I'm not suggesting this technique here because of what you wrote. He's been clear that he doesn't want me to get involved. That sentence (laughs) says that the only advice I can recommend to you that I'm not sure you've already done is to make sure that he understands the consequences of his actions so that he knows what it is he is choosing. What are the consequences of getting a D or an F? Would he go to summer school? Will he be preventing himself from getting into an AP class next year? Will it change which colleges he applies to or prevent him from graduating high school? Like once he understands the consequences, then he can decide if he's okay with that. Maybe he'd rather get his GED and just be done with school 
Maybe he was planning to go to junior college first anyways, and he doesn't really matter. Maybe he's figured out that he's a sophomore and it's the junior year grades that count the most, so he's not worrying about it. Maybe he thinks he can pull his grades up. So, but helping your son understand what the natural consequences are can help him make an educated decision and choose his preferred course of action. I'm wondering if it's possible that mama's brain was so focused on preventing him from getting low grades that you aren't even sure what the actual next steps are. Because sometimes we just think, oh, bad grades are bad. Let's prevent that at all costs. And we don't even really take a look at what would be some alternatives or some consequences. And I get it. Our anxiety brains like to imagine, you know, horrible, terrible scenarios (laughs) rather than summer school, which is just sort of a boring online class to think about. So, Let's take a look at the life coaching answer so we can see what is blocking this super mom from allowing her son to steer the ship of his own life. Today's life coaching answer is to start with separating the facts from your thoughts about the facts. So in your question, there were both. Fact, my 10th grader has missed a lot of school this year due to various illnesses. Fact, his grades in several classes have plummeted. Fact, he is behind. Not a fact. He needs to work with his teachers in order to get caught up. This is your belief that is causing you to lock in on one solution to his problem. When he resists that one solution, you feel stuck because you think it's a fact. You actually literally said The fact remains that he needs to work with his teachers in order to get cut up, right? But that's just your perception. And that's what would work for you, but he is not open to it. And so then you feel sort of stuck. Fact, you've expressed your opinion about what you believe to be the most effective way to get his grades up. Fact, you've offered him help. Fact, he doesn't want you to get involved. Thought. He is in over his head and he needs an adult to step in and coordinate project catch up. I want to take a minute to look at how compelling this sentence is to a loving, caring mom who wants the best for her son. Now, I know she didn't 100% believe this thought, but I just wanted to reword it in a way so that you can see why her brain is jumping on this and thinking it's a good idea, okay? He needs me. I can coordinate project catch-up. That sounds easy and fun, and I know just what to do to fix his problem. Look at me putting on my super mom cape and sweeping in to solve my poor, sick, helpless boy's problems. What a good mom I am, rescuing my son from failure. Doesn't that sound lovely and compelling? I love how crafty our supermom brains can be. And look at how she changed the helicoptering to sound so innocent, okay? I've talked to him many times about what he needs to do. I've asked him where he needs help. I've advised him to talk to his teachers. Very matter of fact. But when she gets to the overstepping, she changes it to, 
I've floated the idea of talking to his teachers myself, right? Before she's like, I've talked, I've asked it, I've advised. I've floated the idea of talking to his teachers myself, and he's been clear that he doesn't want me to get involved. You aren't an overbearing, noisy, intrusive helicopter mom. You are a sweet, innocent, hot air balloon who just happens to be floating by and observing a drowning, helpless boy who is in over his head and needs immediate help from his mother. (laughs) Whenever we offer to help our kids, we've got to make sure that we're viewing them as capable of solving their own problems. It's a energy thing that we're kind of emitting. The you need my help energy is so compelling to us, but it's very off-putting to the kids. And healthy, independent children will run screaming for the hills, <laughs> or at least healthy, independent teens will be like, ah, back off, take away your new, I don't need your help right? That's what what these growing independent teenagers want to believe. So to clean up this super mom's energy, we want to start by eliminating the cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is when you have two competing beliefs that bounce around our brains at the same time, making us feel stuck and yuck, okay? The cognitive dissonance in today's question is, one, I want to respect his wishes and let him have the experience of figuring it all out. Versus, I don't want him to suffer any negative academic consequences from his illnesses. Can you see how those two beliefs are competing with one another, making her feel stuck and like she doesn't know what action to take? One is, I want to respect his wishes and I want him to figure it all out. And two is I don't want him to suffer negative consequences. She didn't say this, but I'm guessing that that's the underlying belief that's driving her to feel like she's kind of stuck in the middle. Because, of course, she's a loving, caring mom. She does not want him to suffer negative consequences from being sick. That doesn't seem fair or nice, right? But we want to take a look at Which of these beliefs is more reflective of the mom you want to be? Do you want to be the mom who thinks that grades are the most important thing? Do you want to be a mom whose child never suffers or struggles? Or do you want to be the mom who trusts her 15-year-old to solve his own problems? So this may not be her belief, this like, I don't want him to suffer negative consequences. Maybe she's just like, he has to get good grades and that's what's super important. He's bright, he's intelligent, and his grades should reflect that even if he had this quarter filled with illnesses and absences, right? Like she still might think that the grades are really important. So I'm kind of taking a hunch here, but what she's what's struggling with is the cognitive dissonance, that there's two competing beliefs. And the way to get out of that is to really think about the mom I want to be. Like, do I want to be a mom who trusts her 15-year-old to solve his own problems? Do I want to be a mom who's, you know, supportive even when um, he had a crappy quarter and he was sick a lot and and he doesn't want to talk 
to the teachers. Like he wants to do it his way, right? So just kind of thinking about what kind of mom do I want to be? When my daughter planned a graduation trip to Barcelona for her and her 10 friends, my anxiety went through the roof. This was new and uncomfortable for me. And I'm like, my baby wants to go halfway around the world. And I was freaking out. And I, I hadn't, I didn't know anybody else that had done this. Like I would, and there was no precedent in my world. I hadn't seen this as a common thing. So I wasn't expecting it. And so I was just uncomfortable and I knew not to parent from that energy, right? Like I, I knew enough to keep my mouth quiet, but what helped me calm down was really remembering who I wanted to be as a mom, right? Like I want to be a mom who encourages her teen to travel internationally. That was in line with my values. I didn't want to be the kind of mom who makes parenting decisions out of fear or passes on her anxiety to her kids. So I really had to connect with that part of me that was, you know, who who did I want to be as a mom? So the other thing I suggest this mama do is as the anxiety is feeling high and she's feeling like, no, he can't get back raised on his report card. That's terrible. Is to really go there instead of resisting it and saying, we have to talk to your teachers. We have to talk to your teachers. You want to allow yourself to go there and really think about like, what's the worst thing that would happen if he got D's and F's on his report card? see where your anxiety brain was going. I mean, my anxiety brain had lots of different ways my daughter would be dying over in Spain (laughs) uh, or suffering very greatly, right? So we want to take a look at what is our anxiety brain telling us? Is he going to drop out of school, start doing drugs, become homeless because of one semester? Is this just the beginning of the end? Will he have to live at home for an extra two years while he attends community college? Is that the worst case scenario? Or maybe your off-the-grid summer plans will get interrupted because he's going to need internet access to complete his summer school coursework. Like, we want to listen to that anxious brain. We want to hear what it has to say, but we don't want to act from it, right? We don't want to indulge it. We want to act from our values and who we want to be. So you can calm down that anxiety brain by doing some math. (laughs) You're going to ask yourself, what is the mathematical likelihood that these scenarios will happen? That he'll drop out of school and become homeless and live under a bridge? You know, what is the statistical probability that this one quarter of bad grades will ruin his future career in engineering or whatever, you know. So you want to take it to that worst case scenario and then ask yourself to do some math. You wouldn't believe how many people I coach on this who try not to put a number on it. It's because our anxiety brain is separate than the math brain. And as soon as you put a number on it, like, oh, it's maybe like 2% chance of my big fear actually happening, it makes it really hard to believe that anxiety brain. So take it all the way through to completion. Actually put a number on it and you'll feel the anxiety calm down. So to recap, number one, we're going to separate the facts from your thoughts about the facts. Number two, notice how your anxiety brain is futurizing and catastrophizing. Number three, do math. 
what is the statistical, mathematical probability that disaster will ensue? Number four, identify the cognitive dissonance. What are the two competing beliefs that are keeping you stuck? And number five, connect with your values and who you want to be as a mom. Today's super mom kryptonite is probably my biggest kryptonite. You mamas know that I only employ about like, I don't know, 40% of the advice I give you. <laughs> That's not true. I, I teach what I most need to learn, right? So like every time I coach somebody or I write these podcasts, I'm like, oh, this one's for me. I learned today. So it's not that I never make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. But you asking me these questions and asking for coaching helps keep it top of mind so that I um, don't necessarily repeat those same mistakes every single time. I just make new and different ones. And today's super mom kryptonite is a doozy for me. This is when intermittent competence meets the helping tick. All right, let me explain. We expect, most moms, expect our kids' progress towards independent adulthood to be sort of a smooth upward trajectory towards capable independence, right? They figure out the DMV website. They sign up for driver's ed. They pass their permit test without any input from mom. And we think, oh my God, this is amazing. My work here is done. I have a capable, competent teenager. But then prom season arrives and they cannot figure out where the prom is, when it is, how to buy a ticket, which of their friends is going, what the dress code is, or how much it costs. We think that the skills in one area will bleed into all the other ones. And we instead, we get this intermittent competence that makes us feel frustrated because it's not what we expect, right? So we think something easy when, when something easy turns into this really complicated task, we get frustrated, even though intermittent competence is very normal with teenagers. These skills do not necessarily easily apply to other similar places. So when this typical, sometimes competent teen has a mom who loves to help people, loves to solve problems, it becomes today's kryptonite. Some of us are born to help others. We see someone in need and we jump up to help. When anyone, but especially somebody we care about, appears lost, confused, uncertain, unhappy, or unwell, our bodies react instinctively like we have an uncontrollable tick. Ticks are sudden twitches, movements, or sounds that people do repeatedly. A person with a motor tick might blink repeatedly. A person with a vocal tick might grunt repeatedly. And a mom with a helping tick might jump in repeatedly and offer to help with enthusiasm. Or sometimes they won't offer, they'll just because they see their child is in need and 
It's so easy for us. We like solving other people's problems. We like to help people who seem like they need help. So if you've got a helping tick and you are living with a sometimes competent teen, give yourself some grace. Be really proud of yourself for resisting the urge to step in and take over. You are being triggered daily maybe even multiple times a day, okay? So every time you remember to ask, would you like my help with that? Would you like my advice? If you can ask instead of jumping in, give yourself a reward because it is a challenge and you deserve a big reward for remembering to ask first before offering help. Today's Supermom Power Boost is the metaphor game. Well, this metaphor game is a great tool to use when you feel like you're stuck in a problem or you aren't sure the right course of action. And you can do it with anything. Everything and anything can be a metaphor. But let's imagine that you are out walking the dog and you see a weeping willow tree with the limbs dangling over a still pond. The metaphor game is where you ask yourself, how is my situation with my son's grades like this willow tree? And you just sort of ponder it and wait for the right brain to jump in with a creative response. So it could be something like, I'm like the long limbs dangling into the pond. My son is the pond. I'm trying to insert myself, even though the pond doesn't really need me in the water with him. He likes me being nearby, providing shade and a calm presence, but I can mind my own business and trust that my presence here is enough. I can be the tree, he can be the pond, and we can coexist peacefully, right? So you can just let your brain come up with whatever you want. There's no right or wrong. It's just a little brain exercise to help you see something from a new perspective. So maybe you see a flock of birds flying above and you say, how is my situation like that flock of birds? And then just use your imagination to guide you towards a solution. You could think, well, I'm like the lead bird, taking my flock in the direction that I know is best for everyone. One bird has gone rogue and is flying in a direction I don't want him to. How can I steer him back on my direction? Maybe we could follow him for a little while and ask if he's got a better idea. Maybe it's time for him to lead his own flock. And this makes me sad, but that's okay. Maybe I can take a detour and come back, whatever. You just let your right brain come up with some creative ideas. Anxiety is on the left hemisphere of the brain. And metaphors bring us over to the right hemisphere where we have access to creative problem solving and outside the box thinking. Not to mention, this is a really fun game to do on road trips with your kids. (laughs) I remember just crying, laughing so hard when we were playing this with, um, we were doing it with the kids' teachers. How is my Spanish teacher like that road sign? (laughs) How is my math teacher like that um, airplane in the sky. It was really funny. So 
have a good time with the metaphor game. You can play it by yourself or with your family and see if it doesn't give you some solutions that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Today's quote of the day. If you want to enter a state of pure connection with your child, you can achieve this by setting aside any sense of superiority. Dr. Shafali. Well said, Dr. Shafali. All right, mamas. I wish you low flying helicopters, <laughs> hot air balloons. So I continue the difficult job of resisting the helicopter. It's so good for kids to solve their own problems. We want to build resilient, capable kids. And that's really the way to do it is to let them fail over and over and over again and stand by and watch. (laughs) And it's not easy. So give yourself some grace. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.